Welcome to X-Files Podcast, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to heal from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new single life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. everyone. Welcome to another episode of X-Files. This is yet another special episode as I am once again doing something brand new and I have two guest co-hosts on with me today. Two um, experts in this area or two people with lots of experience in the area of talking to your kids about your breakup. And um, I'm excited. We're doing a three- three-person episode today. So this is great. Welcome Katie Davey from Co-Parenting Peacefully. Hello, my dear. Hello. Welcome back. Can you tell everybody just briefly what you do at Co-Parenting Peacefully and where they can find you? Sure. So at Co-Parenting Peacefully, we just try to teach everyone how to co-parent in a way that works for them. Um, I coach, I do group programs, all kinds of stuff. Um, you can find me at co-parenting peacefully on Instagram and her Instagram is off the charts. It's so popular. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. (laughs) And of course, my friend, Brian Dunn, welcome back to X-Files once again. Hello. Hello. Thank you, Janice. Great to be here. Hello, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) They're meeting for the first time. Isn't this great? (laughs) Brian, what do you do as a dating coach and where can people find you? Yes. Uh, I'm a dating and relationship coach. I help People basically date and get into relationships, whether that's looking at their own internal blocks, patterns, blind spots, figuring out how to date in real life on the dating apps, um, communicate, figure out what it is they want and, and find the, and keep the kinds of relationships they want. Uh, my website is briancdunn.com and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at MR as in Mr. Brian C. Dunn. So check out uh, my content there. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. Um, Both Katie and Brian are parents who have experience in this area. So I think this is going to be a really important discussion. It's something that I've wanted to do since the beginning of X-Files, but I am childless by choice. And while I've seen a lot of people go through this a lot, I never felt comfortable coming on and talking about it on my own, similarly to other discussions that we've had about parenting, um, where I've had Katie come on and uh, co-host with me. So we're going to get started. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone out there, if you have enjoyed X-Files, please let me know by leaving me a five-star rating and review. And that is because 2023 is going going to be really big for X-Files. So be a part of it by helping more people find me. Before we get too into the nitty gritty of things, I was wondering if you would both be comfortable touching on your personal experience going through breakups as parents. Sure. (laughs) Yes. Sure. Whatever you're you're comfortable sharing. I think that it's important for listeners to understand that we've all gotten through these types of things. I haven't, but can you um, say, Katie, um, your experience? Sure. So really the only breakup I've been through that my kids are aware of is my divorce, but they were so little. They were one in three. Um, They kind of just were like, oh, okay. So we're not doing, we're not living together anymore. Mom and dad are now in separate houses. And as they've gotten older, I think I've taken, I've described it to them as like, sometimes adults just can't stay friends. Sometimes they don't get along well. 
Um, you know, my kids remember some of the things that had happened when they were little, especially my oldest. So um, she sometimes will say, yeah, I understand why you guys got divorced because you didn't get along. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of were lucky in that they were so little and they didn't have a lot of questions at first. Um, I think that was helpful. Okay. And since then, you've also used your experience as a co-parent to work with people who are going through this left and right, correct? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> hmm Wow. Oh, you have such a valuable, such valuable insight into this. And I think that what you're doing as a co-parenting coach is so important. Brian, what about you? Yes. And first of all, I want to say, Katie, I love that example. It's having it be age appropriate. Sometimes People, friends don't get along anymore and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be something that's scary. So I'm jumping ahead. Anyway, so I'm, I got divorced. I was married uh, for 17 years, got divorced in 2015. My kids are now 18 and 24. So at the time they were 11 and 17. Um, so both very different stages in puberty, adolescence and everything, but went through the divorce. And then I've had a number of serious relationships since then. And especially with the younger one, it was a great example. And then leading into this conversation, um, which is why I love this topic, is I saw that as not just a time to let them know like the relationship of with the my my relationship with the person they had met had ended, but also as a teaching example for the younger one who was, you know, 13, 14 at the time of, of the first one. Um, but just using it as a learning example of, as Katie mentioned, like sometimes things don't work out, but because she was at, you know, 13, 14, a good time to talk about relationships and boundaries and what it is you want and don't stay in a relationship just because they love you or whatever it is. And, and just being able to set healthy boundaries and expectations and, uh, vision of like love and relationships for herself into the future. That's great. And that actually leads into the first thing that I wanted to go over. And that is why is it important to do this in the first place? I mean, I suppose if you're getting divorced and you have children, you need to you know, let them know what's going on. But I know some people who are dating might just kind of fly by the seat of their pants and just kind of mention things in passing or, not necessarily sit down and have discussions with their children. So I was wondering from both of your perspectives, uh, Brian started to touch on it just now, but why is this so important? Um, Well, I think for my kids, kind of piggybacking off of what Brian said, they're learning all about the world and they're learning about at this point, just friendships. And I've been able to kind of frame relationships in a way to them where they're learning. Like if someone's not nice to me, I don't have to be friends with them. If relationships with friends aren't working out, then that's okay. Um, Their dad has dated more than I have. So we've had a few conversations at my house about the breakups that have happened at dad's house. So it's just been kind of a nice way to frame for them um, that we don't have to stay in relationships if we're not happy and that we can still like people and love people, but maybe we just don't get along and that's okay. And Brian, you have a really great list here of why it's not only important to talk to your children about these things, but why it's important to learn how to do it in a delicate, intentional, and mature way. Um, So can you talk to us a a bit about this and maybe even relate it to your experience going through this multiple times? Yes. And I want to build on what Katie said, not only teaching the kids, but also if you've introduced your partner that you're breaking up with to your kids and they've built a friendship, they've built a connection. So it's important to help them process why is that person no longer around, whether they're three years old, 10 years old, 18 years old to process, you know, maybe they're they're going through some sadness or grief, not seeing that person that they've built a connection with. Maybe you've gone to Disneyland or, you know, had dinners at their place, whatever it is. So allowing them some time and space to check in with them and also process that um, loss together. Yeah, that's tricky, I, I bet. But I, it's, I think it's, as we talked about, as Katie mentioned, it's like an age appropriate. So if, if they are three, that's going to be a different conversation than if they're 15 and you have to have different sorts of conversations in that age appropriate way. But I think some of the reasons are caring for their emotional needs after having grown close to your partner, which I just mentioned, um, setting a good example of showing that it's okay for things to end and being able to 
process that in a way that's healthy. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to sit with those feelings. We don't have to push those down and pretend we're not sad. So just setting a good example for the kids of of losing a friend, of losing a, a relationship, teaching them that breakups are a normal part of life, whether that's friendships or romantic, um, that it's okay. And like I said, it's okay to be sad, but things do come to an end. It's not the end of the world. And, and being able to get back up on your feet again afterwards, it's very important and setting a good example of that. It's a good opportunity to talk about relationships. And for me, um, the, the one example I mentioned, um, my younger daughter was about 13, 14. It was my first long-term relationship afterwards. And I use it as an example, talk about there were some things missing that, that I wanted out of a relationship and just kind of processing my own journey and walking her through that, maybe not every detail, but at least talking to her about it being important to know what you want and, and it's okay to have more wants than that person can can meet and it's okay if relationships end and all of this. So just setting, trying to set a good example of to think about herself and not just wanting to protect the other person and, and suffering or, or sitting in silence when your needs aren't being met or whatever that might be. So just kind of setting that good role model example for herself and also what relationship should be, shouldn't be. What a lovely thing to hear from your father about as a, as a woman, uh, you know, I would have really enjoyed having these discussions with my dad growing up. Me too. I had no idea. I mean, I got into some hairy situations <laughs> because I, no one really, I didn't have good examples of, of this and no one ever talked to me about boundaries and expressing your needs and that you don't have to stay in something if it's not serving you and what serving you means in the, in the first place. So I, I love that for her. Yeah, definitely. I, I knew she had boys she liked and she had boyfriends and, and I knew lots of things going on and I knew it had been a tough time for her, especially in those two or three years after the divorce. So she had been taking it hard and and having um, just different experiences. I won't go into detail, but I, I wanted to be there for her. And, and just after the divorce, we got a lot closer when we were spending time together. So it was important for me to set a good role model as a man in her life, but also letting her know that you don't have to be with somebody just because they like you or you don't want to hurt their feelings by wanting to uh, end things. Yeah, Katie, so do you uh, have anything to, to add? Brian, man, your daughter is so lucky to have you. Holy cow. <laughs> um, yeah. So teaching our kids why relationships are important and what role they serve our kids learn so much from us about relationships. They model, right? They express themselves sort of in the same way that parents express themselves. So I think that teaching them the whys and hows of relationships is important because they learn from us. Um, and then you want to set them up to have great relationships later. So I know that my experience with relationships, especially my marriage, was not a great one. And I want to make sure that I'm modeling good boundaries, good self-care, good, all the, all the good things for them so that when they get into a relationship, they're like, oh, okay, I know that I can do this if I want to, but I don't have to if I don't want to. And I really think that talking about relationships is a great way to connect with our kids because we learn from each other. And it's a good opportunity to really learn who your kids are and then help them navigate the relationships as they grow. I agree. And I'm I'm loving this so much. My heart's pounding. And I think it's really cool, too. You both have experience, um, but with the opposite ends of the age spectrum. <laughs> that was kind of an awkward way to put that. But <laughs> I love that we have the perspective talking with teens and with um, young ones. So something that I think is really important to mention, because I know a lot of people listening to X-Files are in the midst of a heartbreak and don't want to even accept that this is happening, much less sit down and try and talk to your kids about it. However, I have personally seen the the downside of, of avoiding these discussions from friends and clients. And I thought, and Brian, I know that you wanted to make sure we touched on this, and that is the risks of not handling this well. Do you want to start? Yeah, I think... Risk. There, are, there are a lot of risks, and as Katie alluded to, um, I think setting a good example and, and all of that. But on the opposite end, if you, for example, divorce is a very extreme case. Breakups here with somebody for six months or a year, that's much smaller. But there's a lot of for the parents, for the spouses, there's a lot of feelings wrapped up in divorces. So I think 
a bad example, a risk could be talking trash, talking shit about your ex-spouse and turning your, your child against that other person or setting a bad example of relationships don't work out, marriages don't work out. And so sort of souring your child on the idea of finding a relationship or finding a marriage in the future. I think if we set a good example for being healthy and, and handling that process in a healthy way, and that can still set up our child for whatever they want in the future and not biasing them toward or against any sort of future. I, I've met women, I've gone on dates with women who they, whatever the sort of relationship dynamic they're looking for or their belief on marriage, like all men cheat kind of thing. Oh, and then we get into it a little bit further. Yeah, and dad cheated for 20 years or whatever. So I think just how the examples like Katie said, the examples we set and what they see growing up in that relationship is very indicative of their outlook on relationships and marriage in the future. No matter how many, you know, lovey-dovey Netflix shows or, or Hollywood rom-coms they see, whatever they experience firsthand, you know, growing up, I think that's the biggest example. So the risks I think could be, that souring them on relationships or giving them like a biased view of what might be possible for them or not, or even just not giving that good example. So showing them that relationships will destroy you or ruin your life, or, you know, a breakup can take you out of commission for six months, whatever it might be. I think the risks are you know, along those lines of not setting them up for success in their own relationships. That is brilliant. I also think Oh, I had someone tell me recently that they feel that you can really compromise and really infect your relationship with your child when they see you um, talking bad about their ex or talking bad about the co-parent because it makes your child subconsciously feel that they, they also can't trust you. Do you think that rings true? Yes, yes, I, I think that rings true. I think as you were saying that, also just coming to mind, putting the kids in the middle of the breakup. I've I have a friend who she went out with someone for a while, but on the first date he brought his little two, you know, five year old, eight year old, and and so you're putting them in the middle of this very adult emotional relationship <clears throat> dynamic. Yeah. And so if you are putting them in the middle, you're sort of bringing them on on your roller your emotional roller coaster when you need to protect them and separate them, not isolate them so they don't have to go through it, but at least bring them along. But if you're putting them in the middle and you're making them your codependent, like your emotional crutch, then you're forcing them, you know, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old to be your therapist. And that's another risk of of making them grow up too soon and, and forcing all this very adult stuff onto them. Yeah. And Katie, I'll let you go in a moment, but I, you know, some people might find this hard to believe, but I have also seen people put their children in the middle dating relationships and as well, kind of hoping that it will make the other person feel guilty if they know that the kids are upset or the kids miss them or this, that, and the other. I've seen it multiple times and it's not good, <laughs> you know, rather than just sitting them down and saying the relationship ended and, you know, helping everybody move on, kind of like keeping it going by continuing to bring the kids into it. And the kids go through their own loss and grief and that they need to process and the parent needs to be there for them to help them with that. Yep. And we're going to talk all about that. Do you have anything to add? Um, I think the only thing I wanted to add was that I see a lot in my co-parenting coaching, um, whether it's the divorce between the, the two biological parents or a breakup between one of the biological parents and another partner, the, the talking badly doesn't just reflect badly on the person that you're speaking poorly about. It Sometimes it damages the relationship with your child when you're the one speaking badly about the other person. Um, and I think that's really important to remember. So that's my, but everything else you guys said was so on point. Yes. <laughs> yes. So everyone keep on listening because it's important that you do this and you do it well. So Brian is a dating coach. Katie is a co-parenting coach. I'm a breakup coach. So I thought it would be fun to go through different types of situations where this comes up and how we might handle things differently according, according to that. So I'll go through this and you can each jump in and let me know what you think. First of all, short relationships. 
Some parents choose to involve their kids and let their kids know, and some don't. Katie being a good example, <laughs> she's hold, holding off, which I I love, and I, you know it's a it's a personal choice. But considering that this is a very normal part of life, you date for a little while and then you quit for a lot of reasons. How might this um, impact how we speak to our children about it? So I think short relationships. I think those are easier to handle when they've ended, maybe because your kids aren't quite as involved with them. Maybe your feelings aren't quite as deep. Um, so I think it's easier to just kind of say, you know, we, we, we were friends or we dated for a little while. It didn't work out, you know, and to kind of, you know, I don't think you have to go into as much detail then. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yes. Like specifically how it's different. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you think, Brian? I think that's exactly right. I think this comes back to kind of the the whole process of when to introduce your kids or when what you're revealing to them up front about mommy or daddy's dating, mommy or daddy met someone, oh, they've been dating for a month, for six months. At what point do you introduce your kids to them and vice versa? Um, this can be for myself, just personal experience, my first relationship, I waited for about a year and even that was very a very trying process because of how things were with my ex-wife at the time. So just being um, mindful and cognizant of how my ex-wife would feel knowing that I was introducing the, our kids to, to a new partner. Um, after that, it has been like a shorter timeline. I dated a woman who had a three-year-old son and we integrated very early on just because of her co-parenting schedule and all that. And it's very different I was a friend of mommy's who was around a lot for the three-year-old son versus an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, they know what's going on. So I think it just comes back to not only in the breakup, but how how involved or how much information you're disclosing to them at the start of the dating process. And that's a personal thing, and Katie deals with this too, but it's just, yeah, it's the chicken and egg. If they don't know you're dating, you don't have to tell them you broke up, but you can decide how much you want to tell them. The one thing would be, on the short relationships, which we're talking about, maybe not telling them every time you have a good date and getting their hopes up or, or letting them see you go through this roller coaster, you can choose to, and my recommendation would be to, if you're dating, decide whether you want them to know or not. Um, sometimes like after a month or two, you might let them, oh, I met mommy or daddy's met someone nice, things are going well. And then if it's three months, six months, a year, whatever that is for you um, that you've decided, you know, have a timeline for when you can introduce the kids and, and let them know, but they don't have to know every up and down for all of your dating. Well, that's actually a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, how much you tell your kids about the relationship in, in the first place. Yeah. And what about longer term relationships? Like this is different for everyone. What we consider to be long, a long-term relationship. I s- would think that a lot of people would think a year or more. I, I think a year is, is rather short, but if you considered it a long-term relationship and your child did know about it, do you think that this impacts the, these discussions at all? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, kind of like was what was discussed before it, the more that you tell them and the more integrated everybody is into one another's lives, the more you're going to have to discuss kind of what happens when you break up. And even, Um, I'm kind of a fan of like slowly working into these things. So slowly introducing your partner, slowly bringing the kids in, because then that allows everyone to kind of feel things out and you're not moving too fast. But, you know, the more that they're integrated, the more you're going to have to explain once you break up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think um, kind of that mid-age 5 to 13, maybe a time period where they might become more attached because this is somebody new in mom mom or dad's life. I think maybe a little bit older, you know, if teenagers understand that mom or dad, they, they date and they have people. Um, But I think having the, maybe the criteria I might recommend is if, if it's three to six months or a year, whatever your, your timeline is also feeling that there's enough potential and being on the same page with your new partner, that there is potential for longer, not just hitting a time milestone. So that way, you are also protecting your children as far as getting emotionally connected and emotionally bonded with this person in mom or dad's life. 
because you don't want to rip that away because that's more or less. It's not as big as a divorce, but it is still people coming in and out of their lives. So just being protective of that. But yeah, long-term relationships, a year or more, that is still something where it's it's going to be sad and, and you might have to process grief with them because they're going to probably miss that person that they've grown attached to. Yeah. And we're going to talk all about how to do that. And this leads well into what if it's a divorce? This could maybe be an entire episode, but if you could both just give a couple of tips as far as beginning to address this. And I put it that way because when it's a divorce, it's going to be a very much an ongoing conversation. But if you're nervous about beginning to approach it, what would you say? And also perhaps if you feel that you handled it poorly and that's why you're listening to this episode, <laughs> how can you backtrack and kind of start fresh? Um, Brian, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think this conversation with your kids, it has to be something that comes from both parents, oh, okay. whether that's together or separate, depending on the relationship between the parents. In my case, we we all talk together. And the kids were really sad and we went to Safeway and got a bunch of ice cream and sat around and, and comforted the kids while we, we dug into some, some uh, gelato. It's not just one conversation. It's an ongoing helping of the kids get through that emotional. Cause it could be, it's not just one conversation in one week. It could be like three months or three years or however long it takes, because that is such a, a massive monumental kind of break in reality for them. I think this is super important. One of the other things that I think is very important is, as I mentioned earlier, is not speaking ill of the other parent. Let the ch child's relationship with that other parent be their their own thing. So if you're trying to spoil that consciously or unconsciously, as Katie mentioned, not only does it look bad for you, maybe it comes back and it looks bad on you and they get more close to the other parent because mommy keeps saying all these things about dad and he's not a bad guy. And so it sort of turns your kids against you because you can't sort of keep control of your, of your mouth. Hmm. Katie. So I love what you said um, about it being an ongoing conversation. My six-year-old was one when my co-parent and I divorced, he's almost seven. Um, but we still have conversations sometimes. He doesn't remember our lives together as a family. So he still is, I think, trying to figure out what it means that two people couldn't get along well enough to like live as a family. Um, so it's definitely an ongoing thing. And luckily his sister has a little bit of memory and she can kind of fill in sometimes and she'll say like, oh, you you should be happy that you didn't you remember that because <laughs> oh. mom and dad didn't get along at all. And I'm like, mm -hmm. we made the right choice. Um, but I think one of the other things that I really like to see parents do together or separately um, is to explain to the kids what is going to change. Like, is where's everyone living? Where are we going to be? Are we going to the same school? Are we doing the same stuff? Um and then what's not going to change? Like, we love you. You're going to see both of us X day and X day. We're going to do all of the, you know, I really like for there to be kind of an outline. This will be different, but this will be the same, especially for the littles. I think that helps a ton. Yeah. And we're going to talk, we're going to talk more about that. And so I guess a question that I have as someone who's never been a parent, but someone who has been divorced and that is a divorce and the decision to divorce is a lot more complicated than a decision to break up. So do you tell your children the reasons why you came to this conclusion? I think that depends so much on their age and what the okay. reason is. I mean, you know, my co-parent and I have never told our kids exactly why we separated because it's hairy and kind of scary. And so we have never gotten into it. Um, but also our kids were really little. So it might maybe when they get older. I don't know. What do okay. you think, Brian? I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think a three-year-old understands the world a lot differently than a 15-year-old. And still, <laughs> maybe maybe the parent who gets cheated on may say, cause your, your dad or your mom is a, a lying cheating, you know, <laughs> son of a bitch, but whatever that might be, I still think it's, you start from the baseline of, of mom and dad, like really it's okay. Relationships end. Sometimes people can't, uh, I don't know, say it lasts forever, but sometimes people grow apart for us. It was very much growing apart, growing into like different people over the years. And so from there it's, you might bring in some reasons, whatever those personal reasons might be, but I still think it's a little bit delicate. Sometimes kids grow up and then they're 20, 25, 30, and they found out 
oh yeah, because mom or dad was doing this or that, and, and that sort of drove a rift. But I don't think they need to necessarily know of the nitty gritty if it's kind of disrupting or 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 bad for them, or it might be kind of harmful for the relationship with the other parent. But if if one person is abusive, still maybe a five year old doesn't need to know that that there were like harmful things going on. Maybe that's something saved for later. But I think it's whatever that discussion is, they grew apart, mom and dad grew apart, or weren't able to stay together anymore. Um, but I think that the main part is because children, brains are, are, are still growing until they're 25. Children think everything in the world happens because of them, especially something like a divorce. So just reminding the children that this has nothing to do with them. Mom and dad both still love them just as much, not more. I think Katie, you, you, brought up something I wanted to, to mention. It was so bad when, it's a good thing you don't remember because it was so bad. I think setting the example of mom and dad are much happier now and it's okay afterwards and having that good relationship, the co-parenting relationship and then the relationship with the kids, between the parents and the kids afterwards, I think that's the best thing to help them process that because if it's sad and gloomy and, and all of this afterwards, then it piles on top of of the grief and the loss. But if a child sees mom and dad go from being unhappy all the time and fighting to living their best lives and, and being happy and spending a lot of great time together, they see it not as a negative, but just as a, a change, I think. Oh, I love it. That's that's really great advice um, from both of you. Thank you so much. And I also have to say, I don't envy either of you um i like or i don't envy you know anyone who has to go through this it sounds so complicated it sounds a little painful and i also applaud both of you and anyone listening to this who you know wants to show up for their kids so just really briefly people are bringing everyone together a lot sooner these days in some cases so if the breakup involves cohabitating or a blended family are there any tips that you would give um how would this be a little bit different so i think i tend to deal mostly with um people who are breaking up who are cohabitating like as step families and that's that's a lot different in in my experience even than divorce because now you have like more kids you right. have a second marriage you have all of these things so my go to is always have the conversation together if you can try to explain to the kids here's again here's what will change and what won't change and then you and your soon to be ex partner need to figure out what the relationship is going to continue to be between the kids and all of the adults and that needs to be something that I think that you decide before you've had this conversation with the kids. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, that's like number one for me. That's wonderful. Yeah, great. Definitely. Advice. There's there's birthdays, there's holidays, there's lots of things. And if both parents are bringing in kids, if you have a Brady Bunch situation, the kids have relationships. So are they moving away or are they going to still be able to see each other and be in contact with each other? So I think that's a lot to think about and, and plan out and reassure the kids that it's not not just it's not just the parents losing somebody it's everybody's losing those ties in in one form or another thank you both for all of that so far and now let's dive into i guess kind of like a part 2 of the episode and that is tips and tricks on how to do it well this is really the meat of things so first of all Katie, you said explaining to the kids clearly what this means. So for a lot of people, they might hear that and say, why is it saying we're breaking up, you know, enough? So how do you explain to the kids what it means? I think just being clear and being honest about what the expectations are as far as, again, what's going to change? What's going to stay the same? Who are we going to still see? What are we still going to do together what are we not going to do together? And then also, I think there has to be clarity about um, your feelings and being honest about them, but also not too detailed if that is, you know, age appropriate for your kids. Like, here's what this breakup actually means to me. It means that, you know, I'm I'm sad, but it means that I'm not going to see Susie anymore or I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to go to the park all the time together, whatever that means for your kids in an age appropriate way. Um, but just that clarity. Yeah, this brings up a really good point. And we we got questions about this. And I think we're all 
looking forward to discussing it. And that is as far as the transparency and your own feelings goes, some breakups really devastate us. And the last thing we want to do is talk to our kids about it. (laughs) You know, when we're, as one listener put it, dying inside. So how much do you share? I mean, I really don't exactly know how to answer this question because as we've all said, it's important that your kids know that there is a grieving process, but is there too much? Too much detail? Yeah. As far as sharing what you're going through. Yeah. I think, I think as Katie said, it's okay. You should let them know. Oh, I'm, I'm sad. I'm going through this. They don't need to see you crying for six hours a night. I think that's something to kind of keep separate because it, as, as we talked about before, kids don't, shouldn't be put in that place, that position to be the parent or the therapist for mm. the adult. They don't need, they shouldn't be put into that position or have to grow up too early, but I think it is okay. It's, it's, it's positive for the, the children to know, yeah, mommy or daddy's sad about this too. And, and what can we do together? Should we go watch a movie? Do you want to go do mini golf? Do you want to get some ice cream and sort of be able to accept and sit with the feelings without dwelling on them and, and amplifying them? Mm-hmm. Someone asked, is it appropriate to ask your children for understanding when you are having a particularly rough day of things? What do you both think? Do you mean like telling your kids, hey, I'm having a really rough day today because of the breakup? Is that kind of Yeah, and I might maybe I'm a bit out of sorts because of that. Yeah, I so I kind of live with my kids by that rule. Like, hey, mom's having a little bit of a tough day. Can we make sure that we are, you know, get your shoes on, get get ready for school right away? But my level of detail is always very small. It's mostly just like, hey, mom's having a little bit of a rough day. Can we can we kind of agree that we're gonna do the things we need to do today. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's how I do it. Definitely. And I can see situations where a parent might have like a short temper or be very upset. And unless you say it's because mom or dad's feeling sad, it just looks like you're being a jerk to the kids and they, they centered on themselves. They think I must've done something wrong or, you know, just get mad at mom or dad. But if you can tie it back into um, and apologize, be accountable for your feelings, say, I'm sorry I, I was short with you. I'm sorry I yelled. I didn't mean to. I, I love you. I'm just having some feelings or I'm having a rough day. And then move on. That kind of like whatever the reason might be, if it's work or relationship or breakup, just being kind to your kids, even if they're pissing you off a little bit, even That's if they're great not advice. tying their, their shoes or, or making you late, just kind of being understanding with them and have it go both ways. You don't have to tell them that you cried for six hours last night and whatever it is, but letting them know that there is a reason. And, and sometimes people are dealing with feelings. And so can we be cooperative and, and get this done together? Yeah, that's that's all really, really great advice. So as far as um, Katie, you mentioned talking with younger children about your your grief and keeping it to the point. What about teenagers? I mean, do you think that it's appropriate to, you know, for instance, tell your teenage daughter, I feel shattered and heartbroken and devastated, be keeping in mind that teenagers are starting to go through that? Or do you still think it's too much? I'd love to hear from both of you. So I tend to be a little bit more guarded just by nature. And this is kind of why I love this conversation, because my answer might be very different than some of the others. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's totally okay to share. Like, I am really kind of heartbroken about this. I'm really upset. But I don't know that it's okay to go into, again, a ton of detail, to lean on your kids for help, to process with them. I think it's different to have a conversation um, rather than, like, relying on them to be your therapist. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when we do share these things with others that I feel shattered or heartbroken and having a hard time making it through the day, it is because even subconsciously, we're hoping that the other person will, will look after us. And so I think, yeah, that is something to keep in mind when you're deciding how much to share with your own child. I totally agree. I think once you're at a point where you've sort of gathered your feelings together and can talk about it, 
you probably still will be feeling sad or whatever it is. That's the point in time where you can talk about it and let them know what's going on. You don't do it after you get off the phone or come back from the dinner you thought was going to be great. And then they just broke up with you and then you cry on their shoulder. That's not what they're there for. But yeah, if you can gather your feelings and and process some of it a little bit and then have like a, a calmer discussion. Yeah. I'm still feeling sad about this. This is what happened, whatever details that might be. But let them know you're okay, but just what's going on and fill them in on what's going on. So as a breakup coach, I'm very well aware of the fact that people are often not okay and people are hella struggling. And I do coach people with children. And I mean, what can you do? What would you suggest as a parent when you are, you know, like I said, having a hard time making it through the day when you're listening to X-Files, when you're hiring a breakup coach because you're in so much pain, how do you navigate still showing up for your kids? And also explaining maybe perhaps why mom's being a little weird, (laughs) you know? So I think um, I always recommend along with coaching that my clients have an outlet have some someone else that you can talk to aside from me and aside from your kids have something fun that you can do have something you enjoy if you I mean if you need therapy go get it like I it's you know just do it I think that's so important yes yes and I I will add that for me and just kind of how my outlook on life is when when you don't have kids there's a breakup and you feel like, oh, my life is over or it's the end of the world and it takes time to get back up on your feet. But when you have kids, kind of the bright side is that relationship with that person is over, but I can come back to my kids and know that this is where my life is. Mm -hmm. People may come and go, but I'm always going to have my kids and it can sort of be not a a crutch, but just kind of a a reminder, uh, just kind of like a, a safe like home for you that, you know, someone you'll find someone else, but you can come back and take joy in the kids you've created and and raised. That's beautiful. And yeah, that is a great outlook. Wonderful. So Katie, you wanted to talk a bit about empathy and validation. So what would you like to say about that and how can parents best provide that to their kids? I just wanted to say that I think sometimes we're so deep in the trenches when we break up that we forget that our kids are going through it too. So just making sure that you are validating their feelings, giving them space to talk to you about what's gone on, what they miss about this person, maybe even why they're happy you broke up. That's happened before too. Um, But just really giving them the space to share with you how they feel because you're the adult. So it's okay for you to help them process. I I mean, I just love that. Thank you. I think that's super important, especially maybe – you are upset at your ex, maybe they were mean or did something awful, but your your child hasn't seen that. So you may want to turn your child against them or dismiss or, or kind of minimize their feelings by either telling them or just sort of dismissing. They were they were an awful person. But you I think like you said, I think it is important to have empathy and validate their feelings that they didn't see that side of the person. So to them it's somebody they may have been really close to and they need, they deserve that space to to process that grief. For me, I think that looks like saying to your kids, like, well, how do you feel about it? What do you think? Less less like me questions and more you questions to your kids. Thank you so much. Those are such good tips. And we're going to give more because we are going to do a Q&A in just a few minutes. But one thing that you both wanted to talk about, which I kind of laughed when I saw both of your notes because you could just tell I'm not a parent because I had not thought of putting this in here. <laughs> but and that... <laughs> That is talking to your kids about your co-parents' breakup. How clever of both of you to want to touch on this. So, I mean, I'm just going to open it up. Um, and if you have personal experiences that you're comfortable sharing, I would love to hear them. I think that's very helpful to people and, you know, tips to go about this. Katie, do you want to start? Uh, sure. <laughs> so I have um, a kind of a decent amount of experience with this. Um, my co-parent and his partner break up pretty consistently and get back together. Um, so it's been several years and my kids are kind of like, well, you know, sometimes they'll mention it, sometimes they won't. But their concern is less about their dad's relationship now and more about, well, mommy, are you going to break up with everyone that you date? And is I, I think they're 
wondering if this is how it works because they only have these frames of reference, mine and their dad's house. So I always just say, you know what? Mo- that's not how mommy chooses to do relationships. I'm not going to break up not. with someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to break up with someone all the time. If we break up, that's probably going to be it. And I will tell you if that happens. Um, I've been with my partner for a year and they've kind of said hello to him on FaceTime, but nothing crazy. Um, so they know he exists. But uh, I always just say, if, if there's something you need to know, I'll let you know. But until then, everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say that it can help the the kids may need help processing like what's going on with, with the other co-parent, but it's at least personally, it's my ex-wife's relationships are not my business. I don't know if she's dating. I think sometimes the kids may have known she was dating someone, but I try and stay out of that. She knows more about what's going on with me because I have longer term relationships and I'm living with my girlfriend now and the kids have met her, things like that. But yeah, if it's not really my business and I love what you said, Katie, about just kind of keeping it simple, um, not projecting, not passing judgment on the other parent and what the relationships are. I, I do have friends who it has become a problem because maybe the the dad, the, the ex, ex-husband is living with somebody who is not great for the kids or and I mean to the kids or the, the new girlfriend, the cohabitating girlfriend is great with the kids and the dad is the one that's sort of doing the same patterns from the marriage. And so just that might sometimes look like having a relationship, a communication with the other parent, like, hey, this is really affecting the kids. Could you talk to her? Could you talk to the kids? Or if you have that line of communication with their new partner, their new spouse, using them as an ally. So just kind of whatever that relationship, whatever those communication lines look like, staying out of it and not passing judgment, I think is important, but just being mindful and protective of the kids and how it might be affecting them. Hey, what, what's going on? You guys are always fighting. And, and, you know, our daughter is kind of really upset and she comes over and I have to talk her down or explain things to her. So is there something that we can do or you can do to kind of shield her from that, shield the child from that, or talk to her about her or something? But if there is an issue, I think it is important to bring it up with the other co-parent that, Without judgment, if possible, it's hard to with ex-spouses sometimes. But yes, yeah, so, so just have that talk and say, "Hey, this for the kids, for you know, for their mental well-being and, and for their future. Like this is what I think," and, and have that conversation. Thank you so much. Um, you know, something that Katie and I talked about when we did our dating after divorce episode a couple months ago was we. I get asked a lot when someone should tell their co-parent that they're dating someone new. And I know, Katie, you have very strong feelings about this. And just because I'm sure it might be going through some people's minds, I thought we could just really briefly touch on how it is that you both feel. And then we'll get into the Q&A. Yeah. So I feel like you don't need to tell your co-parent that you're dating someone until it's serious, until you're ready to introduce the kids to them, until... Because the last thing I want... For myself and for my clients is for their kids to come home to come home and say i met sally last night and you're like who the hell is sally uh, gotcha who's that yeah. um so i feel like when you're getting to something more serious that's the time likewise likewise and i think after divorce it can be like the first one can be like very big very a very big milestone so and it might be like especially for my ex-wife and in our co-parenting relationship I had to be very mindful about how she would feel. And like you said, Katie, you don't want the kids to be the one that breaks the news. Um, So just being mindful about how, if you have that kind of level of of relationship with your your ex-spouse, being mindful of how it is going to affect them. If it's three months after a 20-year marriage and they're still devastated and going to therapy three times a week and you're you're about to move in with your new, you know, girlfriend, your your, uh, secretary or whatever, you don't want to... Hopefully, hopefully you won't want to kind of devastate them. So being mindful of how it's going to affect them. For me, it was first relationship started a little over about a year and a half after my divorce. And then I, like I said, I introduced the new girlfriend to the kids about a year into that relationship when I thought it was had a lot more potential. But it was something, a big discussion and it turned into something very big with the ex-wife. But just having that conversation first before the kids get involved. And, and our kids, like I said, were preteen teenagers at the time. So it was, if they meet the new girlfriend, if they meet the new partner, that's 
they're going to be friends and there's going to be a lot going on. It's not like a, a three-year-old who's, oh, this is mommy's new friend, daddy's new friend. So I think that's very important is, as far as being respectful of how it's going to affect them. I agree. Don't tell them every time you had a good date. Hey, guess what? I had a great day last night. Mm-hmm. Sort of. They don't need to know that. But yeah, if, it's, if there's potential, <laughs> if it's getting serious, you see like a potential future, a year, two years, whatever that might be for you. Let them know, hey, I've met somebody. I'm thinking of introducing them to the kids and just getting sort of sign up because you don't want your success, just speaking from personal experience, like things going well for you to be another sort of bit of salt in the wound of your ex-spouse. So kind of having that conversation, what does that look like? I We've been together six months. I see potential future here. I was thinking of introducing the kids to her, to him at my birthday party coming up in two months. And so it'll be eight months in. So ex-spouse, how do you feel about that? So at least at first, kind of the first few years, I would suggest being kind of respectful and, and letting them know because it not only affects your ex-spouse's feelings, but also the kids. What are the kids going to think? They're going to have questions. So the other parents can have to be able to have certain conversations when questions come up. So it brings up a lot of things. You know, five years in, if you've had a few relationships and things are going well, you don't have to be as careful or as communicative with your ex-spouse about it. But I do think it is important to consider the the wider thing. Um, I'll just end on this, but I remember radio talk show one morning had like a caller call in and this woman was saying that her boyfriend's that like new boyfriend been together a month sex is great whatever but the little boy the the guy's son is such a brat but they've been together a month and every time she's with the boyfriend the son is there or whatever and the boy is acting out because he wants time with his dad and she's sort of butting in. And I'm so I'm wondering, why is the child, why is the girlfriend there when the child is there? He only has him every other weekend or whatever. And if this is only a month in and it's already been this much, is he introducing, is he not having boundaries? And is he introducing new girlfriends to this son every time he meets someone new? So just having that space to separate your romantic relationship from your kids until there is sort of a path or, or potential for a longer future. Yeah, thank thank you so much. So before we get into the Q&A, I just thought it might be good to hear from both of you. I know that learning how to communicate is definitely a journey. It's definitely an ongoing process. It's def- it's something that we do often have to learn as adults because we're not seeing this presented to us often as as children. And I know from uh this from personal experience and also as a coach, I'm often you know, surprised at how few resources people have in their toolkit as far as having conversations with just their partners. So if you're someone who feels that they struggle with general communication, how can you learn to do this over time? Do you want to start, Brian? Learning to communicate. I think that's a a life skill. It's not just with your kids about breakups and relationships. It's Mm -hmm. your friends, it's at work, it's your therapist, hopefully, it's your family, everybody. So I think... Parts of communication are, one, just understanding what's going on with you and acknowledging that, and and you don't have to be clear, you don't have to be perfect, and then being able to communicate what's going on. And then the third part is like how you communicate it. I think there's a lot of people saying, oh, I shared my feelings, and they threw it back in my face or it didn't go well. But it's not just what you say, it's how, it's like context and, and delivery it's I'm feeling sad versus you never listen to me and I'm so pissed and it's it just how you deliver it. So being able to work on that skill throughout your life, especially when things are hard, that's when it really counts is when something's hard and those difficult conversations are usually the ones we try to avoid. So that's when it's most important. I totally agree. I think um, <laughs> something something that I tell my clients a lot is there's nothing wrong with taking a pause before you speak. There's nothing wrong with gathering your thoughts. There's nothing wrong with thinking to yourself, okay, self, if I say it this way, is it going to land well or do I need to reframe? I do a lot of reframing with my clients as far as communication with their co-parents. And I would imagine that would work really well too in some situations with your partner or your kids. That's great. And the resource that I most often recommend for this question is the book Nonviolent Communication. I think that it's a real game changer for people's entire lives. So it's on audiobook. You can and it's also very short, very, very practical. So check it out. Great book. All right. And I just want to add like 
awesome book. Just like a, a easy step is to um, talk about you, like I, not you. So I feel this way. I this rather than you do this. So if you're saying you always do this, you always do that, then that's putting it on them and they go into defensive mode. But if you're talking about I feel this way, I feel sad, I feel lost, I feel neglected, whatever that is, um, th- it's easy for them to defend against accusations of what they're doing, but it's harder to contradict or fight against how you personally feel. Absolutely. And maybe this could be another episode, Healthy Communication 101. (laughs) So we all uh, polled our audiences and there are a few things that came up. We asked people if they had questions about this topic. And so let's go through these. And these are some, uh, some hairy situations and some things that I don't believe that we covered. I will go ahead and start. So I'm not sure who sent this one in, but it says, what if I feel guilty, like I'm jerking my kids around with partners coming in and out of my life? Should I stop dating or what should I do? We sort of touched on this, but I think that this whole question of, well, should I just stop altogether is is valid and it's a little bit different. So if this is the dynamic that someone feels that they are in, what would you say to them? Katie, go ahead. <laughs> I, okay. Um, I think I would just tell them, just stop giving so much detail to your kids. Wait until you see a future, visualize, then tell them. Yes, I totally agree. And I think part of it is like, should I stop dating? I think that question, like the person can answer, but is dating mm-hmm. taking away from your mental bandwidth, your time with your kids? Are you, like the example I gave, are you so so selfish with your time that that you won't tell your boyfriend, your girlfriend, no, and set the boundary so you can spend quality time with the kids. So just making sure you have those separate parts until you're at a point where you feel confident and comfortable enough to introduce them and integrate those parts that you're not going to be ripping them away because it may end in a few weeks, few weeks because you don't know that person well enough. Such good advice. And I also want to highlight the fact that Katie has been seeing someone for a year. And so it is possible and it is about having boundaries with with the person. I mean, for people who can't really fathom this, how does it practically work? Like, how do you actually go about seeing someone for a year and not having them integrated into this aspect of your life quite yet? We see each other when we don't have our kids. And that's how I have met his daughter a few times. Um, so he's more open to me meeting his kids. So also I have questions about that a lot. Well, what if I don't want them to meet my kids, but they want me to meet theirs? If you each respect each other, it works. So, yeah, great. I mean, you know, when you're get, having the feels for someone, it is really challenging to say, well, we're only going to hang out once a week or every other week or just on Wednesday nights. But as challenging as it is, sometimes we got to do hard things. Got to right? do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that introducing or not introducing is also really important to think about. And Katie, I love that you mentioned that. Sometimes we introduce because we do want to integrate it sooner. So it's easier on us, but we don't necessarily think about how this might affect the kids. At first, it might be okay. But if something does happen, if things do end, it might be harder on the kids than if they have never met before anyway. So just that, I think that should be another part of the consideration, not just what's easier on you, what you want, but are you thinking about the bigger picture with the kids, your kids and their kids? Another question, this one kind of hurt me when I got it. How do I answer, why doesn't dad love mom anymore? That's a hairy one. I know. So uh, Brian, what do I, you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it's always comes down again to the age of the kids, but I think it's a conversation about what love is and what relationships are. And it can even be, it's not that mom and dad don't love each other anymore. It's that even though we love each other, just we're not good friends anymore, or we grew apart or just kind of explaining in your mind, what relationships need to be in order to stay together versus apart. Cause for me personally, like love isn't enough. You still need a lot of other things to make a relationship work. And so being able to, whether the three or 13 or whatever, explain in a way that's age appropriate to them. They love, fell out of love or they still love each other, but other things just wanted different things out of life, whatever makes sense to them and is truthful, not necessarily hundred percent transparent, but just in a way that they can understand that 
they may love each other, they may not, things happen, but they still love the kids and it has nothing to do with the kids and reminding them that it's not about the kids. And I also think, like we said earlier, it is an opportunity to show children that relationships do come to an end a lot of the time. That's something that I'm, I guess you could even say passionate about teaching the world is that breakups are a normal part of most of our, our lives. And that would be another opportunity to highlight that point. What do you think, Katie? I think, I think I follow kind of the same rule. I try hard, especially with little kids, because I don't want them to think that love is conditional. Um, I try not to say like, mom and dad don't love each other anymore. I try to let, let first the little ones kind of have the idea that we still love each other. And then as they grow older, explain kind of what that means to fall out of love or to no longer be together. But yeah, kind of the same, the same trajectory. Yeah, great. You know, I know some of these conversations are hard, but you know, if you do it right, this could serve your children's future relationships and breakups so well. I think a way to, to expand on that could be Unless you married your, you know, your high school sweetheart, talking about, oh, I, I, my first love was I was sixteen, and we were together for two years, and maybe talk about some of the other relationships where it doesn't mean you don't love each other, just that things happen in whatever the situation might have been, showing them that it's okay, and, and normalizing love, but normalizing relationships ending. That is such a good point that we hadn't brought up before. Yes, talk about your previous relationships that also ended. Ooh, I like that. Nice work, my, Ryan. My younger daughter one time, I think it was at Ikea, and she, we were at Ikea together, and she said, why doesn't mom talk to me about stuff? Why doesn't she talk to me about sex or her first boyfriend or whatever? And so I did like a side note. Hey, she would, daughter would, would love for you to talk to her more about stuff and, and connect with you more about personal stuff. Um, I think that's really important to, again, to set that example for your kids. Love it. So one last question before we wrap up this really important discussion. How do you ask your kids how they are feeling when you are falling apart inside? I know we touched on the grieving process earlier, but how can you make sure that you are are bringing this up when you're hurting so much? Um, I think, again, I, I really love kind of the how, tell me how you feel, tell me more, tell me, is, do you have any questions? You know, what is this experience like for you? And then something that I love for my kids is for me, after we've had these conversations to say, well, what do you think would make you feel better? Because it's important that they learn how to kind of cope and how to figure out what self-care looks like for themselves. So I love those kinds of questions. I think talking about self-care is another thing that didn't come up in this conversation, but this is an, a gr great learning opportunity for your kids to tell them what that means and what it looks like. I, th I think an important part of that is if you feel like you're falling apart inside, getting to a place where you're okay to have that conversation with the child without you <laughs> falling apart in front of them. So if that means you need to take some time or kind of clear your head or do some self-care before you have that conversation, um, maybe it's on the weekend when you're driving to go get ice cream. And so there's other distractions and you can focus on the child. But I think this comes back to making sure the parent also centers, not centers and make it all about the child, but remembering that the child is also going through grief and loss from this potentially. So remembering that there's more people involved with this breakup than just you and the, and the other person. That's great. Do either of you have any closing words or thoughts? One thing that I think I will say is that I really, really recognize how challenging this is. And that's because just listening to it makes me feel a little anxious. So I just really want to recognize anyone who's going through this right now. I totally get that this sucks. And just little by little, Day by day, you got this. I know it seems like something you can't overcome now, but you can. Um, I think I would leave people just with the idea that you need to remember this is really hard and you're probably not going to totally mess up your kids if you do the wrong thing. Just try your best and give yourself some grace here. It's hard. Perfect. I love that. I love that. I'll say that I think this is a one of the reasons why I wanted to have the conversation is these kinds of situations are such a great time and opportunity to teach kids good 
relationship skills, good life skills, good um, mental health skills. So being able to do that and set those examples. There's so many people who are kind of messed up right now because they didn't have those good examples from their parents or from their parents' relationships growing up. So remembering that, like Katie said, give yourself some grace and you don't have to be perfect as long as you're trying. I think remembering that kids are they can understand and they they can observe. They know stuff that's going on. They may not know all of the, the details, but they their feelings matter too. And being able to set that example and bring them along and help them through the process is super important. Thank you. Everybody go and follow Brian C. Dunn on Instagram and go and follow Co-Parenting Peacefully on Instagram for more wisdom and truth bombs and support on your dating after divorce journey, dating after a breakup journey and everything healthy relationships. So thank you both for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Janice. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> You're so nice welcome. To meet you. We'll see everyone next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Axe Files podcast. I sincerely hope that you found today's episode inspirational or useful. I would love to support you on your healing journey. All you have to do is send me a message through the X-Files Instagram account, and I will personally be in touch to get you started. Remember, if you are struggling with a broken heart, your feelings are temporary. I am sending you so much love and luck for the week ahead. You've got this.